<sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Hey, it's Kimberly, host of the Start Me Up podcast. If you like your politics with some loose talk and salty language, you're going to love my show. I interview the coolest people like Mary Trump, Kathy Griffin, and DNC Chair Jamie Harrison. The Start Me Up podcast has an easygoing, casual style and a strong emphasis on left-leaning politics. We also have frank discussions about sex and more than a few spirited rants. Just visit patreon.com slash startmeup or wherever you get your podcasts and start listening today. So the January 6th public hearings kicked off last night. And last night's hearing was disturbing, riveting, enlightening. And as I watched it, you know, it just sort of knocked the constitutional wind right out of me. Let's talk about some of the highlights of what we saw. Because justice matters. Hey all, Glenn Kirshner here. So the J6 public hearings regarding the insurrection kicked off last night and I'll tell you, they were, they were breathtaking, they were enlightening, they were infuriating, they were compelling. And I'm gonna to try to do a stream of consciousness, just sort of a series of bullet points talking about some of what we saw, some of what we learned. I'm gonna do my best to do it without raising my voice or having my blood pressure spike, but I will probably fail on both of those fronts. But what Donald Trump and his criminal associates tried to do and what they did to our nation, to our democracy, to the lawmakers who were at the Capitol on January 6th, to the police officers like Officer Edwards, who we saw testify, or the late Officer Sicknick, well, they tried to hold the line for hours as Donald Trump refused, refused to call off his attack dogs. It was despicable. It was obscene. It's unforgivable. It's criminal. And they need to be held accountable. So just bear with me here, friends, while we sort of tick through some of these bullet points of what we saw in last night's public hearing. I wanna start with Bill Barr because that's where the J6 committee started. Who would have thought in advance of last night's hearing that the first witness we would see videotaped testimony of would be Bill Barr? So after Representative Benny Thompson and Representative Liz Cheney made some dramatic, impactful sort of opening statements. We saw a video clip from Bill Barr right up front. And the clip that was played for us was Bill Barr giving testimony behind closed doors to the J6 committee saying, I went into Donald Trump's office. I told him his claims of election fraud were bullshit. Bill Barr's word. What does that do? Right up front. 
it sort of proves the one sort of lingering open question that some people have. I don't have it. Some people have it about whether Donald Trump, Trump's intent was corrupt. Did he have a guilty state of mind, criminal mens rea? Of course he did. We know what he did. We know the criminal acts he undertook. But some people are somehow unsatisfied that he did it all from a platform of fraud and corrupt intent. He did, and we can prove it to a jury. And I think that's why they opened with Bill Barr, Donald Trump's own attorney general. He appointed his own attorney general who weaponized the Department of Justice and used it corruptly, nefariously, to reward Donald Trump's criminal associates like Mike Flynn and Roger Stone and punish his perceived enemies like Michael Cohen and others. Yes, that Bill Barr. He said, I told Donald Trump his claims of election fraud were bullshit. There is no lingering doubt that Donald Trump's intent was corrupt. And that will be proved to a jury's satisfaction in the future. I'm confident. The other thing that I thought the J6 committee was really smart to do by using Bill Barr and other Republicans, right? Guys like Mark Short and Jason Miller and the Republican pollster, I think Alex Cannon was his name. They were using Republican voices, videotape of the testimony of Republicans who were proving Donald Trump's crimes. What does that do? Well, it sure helps blunt the criticism that what the committee is doing is just, it's politics driven by Democrats. No, these are Republican voices telling us about the crimes of Donald Trump and not just any old Republicans. Ivanka Trump, did you see her video clip from her testimony? It was short, but it was impactful. She said, and I'm gonna paraphrase, when it came to the claim of election fraud, I credited Bill Barr, who said there was no election fraud. I respected his opinion on that. She didn't have to go on to say, I discarded my father's claim because he's a great big liar, but that was the message sent. And of course, Donald Trump threw his daughter under the bus today. Yeah, she checked out. She doesn't know what she's talking about. I'm paraphrasing. Donald Trump knows no bottom. But using Republican voices in the first of the public hearings to highlight some of Donald Trump's crimes, boy, that was powerful and it was tactically savvy. And we're going to see a lot more Republican voices as these uh, public hearings progress. Another bullet point. This was not a riot just spontaneously. This was not a group of protesters who spun out of control in the heat of the moment. This was a plot. This was a plan. This was a scheme. This was by design. And we heard a little bit about that last night. We're going to hear more about it in the future. But this was big. December 19th, there was an Oval Office meeting with Donald Trump, Rudy Giuliani, Mike Flynn, Sidney Powell. No adults in the room. No lovers of democracy in the room. No one in the room who respected the American voters. And the plot that was hatched in that meeting, we heard that there were some lawyers who rushed into the room when they heard about the folks who were in their meeting alone. 
They tried to put a stop to whatever they were up to, but they didn't put a stop to it because the plot was hatched. And right after that meeting in the Oval Office, Donald Trump tweeted out, come to DC on January 6th, will be wild. The plot was hatched by those co-conspirators, Trump, Flynn, Giuliani, Powell, and then Donald Trump promptly put that scheme in motion by sending that tweet out. This was not a spontaneous gathering. This was a plan to stop the certification of Joe Biden's win. And we're going to be hearing more about that in future public hearings. And then once the attack on the Capitol was incited, was launched by Donald Trump and others, Don Jr. and Rudy Giuliani and Mo Brooks, John Eastman, once it was launched, for more than three hours, Donald Trump refused to call off his attack dogs, even though people were begging him to do so, including his own daughter, who was apparently just a coffee girl. Donald Trump barely knew her. Ivanka tried to tell her father, call off the attack, tell them to stop, put a stop to the violence, tell them to go home, and Donald Trump wouldn't for more than three hours. And what we learned last night, folks, from the testimony of Officer Edwards, is that for those three hours, she was engaged in what she described as hand-to-hand combat. We saw a video of her being thrown to the ground by Trump's angry mob and losing consciousness, suffering a concussion. But she came to, and she continued to engage in hand-to-hand combat. And what she described during the three hours that Trump refused to put a stop to the violence, she said, I was fighting hand-to-hand with these Trump supporters, this angry mob. And I saw my fellow officers on the ground, bleeding, throwing up, unconscious. And I was actually losing my footing because I kept slipping in their blood. That three hours of hand-to-hand combat suffered by Officer Edwards and the other Capitol Police officers and the Metropolitan Police officers who are heroes for what they did that day came at the hands of Donald Trump. Because instead of putting in a call to send reinforcements to the Capitol, he sat in the Oval Office dining room, gleefully watching the video footage, rewinding to the good parts. We're going to hear more about that in the coming hearings. I assume the good parts to Donald Trump was when his attack dogs were giving the police officers an especially good beatdown. And it took Mike Pence to call for reinforcements, to authorize executive branch agencies to get to the Capitol and help save the lives of lawmakers and of himself. Mike Pence is no hero. There was self-preservation in his decision to step into the void left by Donald Trump or to foil the plot and the plan put in motion by Donald Trump to have Mike Pence hanged to have Nancy Pelosi hunted for, to having the certification of Joe Biden's win stopped. I'm not saying Mike Pence was a hero, but Donald Trump was content to let people at the Capitol die that day if it meant he might have a chance to unconstitutionally hold on to presidential power. And Mike Pence, perhaps overstepping his authority and even constitutional bounds, made the call and called for reinforcements and they finally came 
but not until so much damage had been done to the lives of so many, most directly police officers who tried to hold the line that day. We learned a little bit about that last night and we're gonna learn more about that in the coming public hearings. And then there was a little something we learned about Jared Kushner. And boy, did I enjoy that clip. In the event anybody believed that Jared Kushner retained even one ounce of decency, well, that notion was dispelled by the clip we saw last night. And I don't want to bury the lead because I think what we saw last night moves Jared Kushner in the direction of being a marquee defendant in the conspiracy to defraud or commit offenses against the United States. We're going to be hearing a lot more about that. But out of Jared Kushner's own mouth, you know the short clip we saw last night? Pat Cipollone, the White House counsel, was ready to resign because of what Donald Trump was trying to do, corruptly overturn the results of a presidential election. He was threatening to resign. He was trying to go through Jared Kushner, the gatekeeper, one of the gatekeepers, one of the firewalls between the adults and Donald Trump. And he wasn't going to let Pat Cipollone get through to Donald Trump because that might interfere with Trump's plan to retain power. And here's what Jared Kushner said. It's breathtaking. He said, look, I was busy trying to get out as many pardons as I could, and I just saw Pat Cipollone's complaints as whining. Whining. A White House counsel trying to protect and preserve our democracy, a White House counsel trying to show allegiance to the oath he took. It was just whining. I was busy trying to get out a bunch of pardons. And pardons are going to become more important. I predict as we move forward, you're going to start to see pocket pardons pulled out by the Kushners of the world and the Don Juniors and the Rudy Giuliani's potentially and others. Because remember, this didn't make a showing last night, but I love the way this dovetails with that little bit we learned from Jared Kushner last night about how he was feverishly trying to get out as many pardons as he could. Remember Kellyanne Conway wrote a book? Nobody read it. Few people bought it. That's good news. But she of Alternative Facts just published a book and in it she said, Donald Trump ambled up to her at the end of his term and said, I'm going to use her word, Honey, you want a pardon? Everybody needs one. She says that she politely declined because she didn't think she needed one because in her estimation, she hadn't committed a crime. But what does that tell you, friends? He's giving away pardons like Halloween candy before his term expires to people who claim they don't even need them, like Kellyanne Conway. Do you really think Jared didn't, you know, do up a little pardon for himself and his wife and his brother-in-law and his father-in-law's lawyer, Rudy Giuliani, and others? Of course, of course he did. And we're going to be learning more about that in the future. And then before I end, I'm going to finish on pardons because the other thing we learned from last night's hearing is that Republican members of Congress were requesting pardons of Donald Trump. Scott Perry and some others, and we're going to learn more about who they are. Boy, is that delicious. You know why? Because the fact that Republican members of Congress 
were reaching out for pardons, needed pardons. That is evidentiary, you know, manna from heaven. Because if somebody says, Ooh, I need a pardon for what I did, that's an admission that you committed a crime. It's virtually a confession, not technically, but you know, it's almost better than somebody who sits down with the police once they're arrested and confesses to the crime. Why? Because, well, people will say, well, the you know, police pressured him into admitting to a crime he didn't commit. This, there was no pressure. This was members of Congress reaching out to the President of the United States saying, yeah, I'm going to need a pardon for what I just tried to help you do on and around January 6th. That is incriminating evidence from heaven. Ask any prosecutor. And I think I'm going to stop there, friends, because there is so much more that we're going to learn in the coming weeks. I will be trying to do real-time installments, reviewing what we learn in each and every public hearing. And I'm going to end with this. You know, I, I mentioned the other day that I did a piece for MSNBC Daily that's a little controversial. I am now learning based on some of the feedback I got. And I talked about how this it's so unusual for Congress to investigate first and the Department of Justice to investigate second. That's not ordinarily how it's done. That's not the way prosecutors, myself included, want a criminal investigation to play out. We want first crack at the witnesses. So I did a piece talking about, is there a method to this investigative madness? What seems like investigative madness? And I argued there was. And I argued one of the most significant benefits to a congressional committee like the J6 committee going first and DOJ going second, that's not exactly what's happening, but stick with me here, is that those thousand plus witnesses who told the committee about Donald Trump's crimes and the crimes of others, John Eastman, Rudy Giuliani, Mike Flynn, Steve Bannon, Roger Stone, Jeffrey Clark, Don Jr., Mo Brooks, and on and on and on. It is all now going to be made public. We're going to see it for ourselves. We're going to see the evidence that proves those crimes beyond a reasonable doubt. And if DOJ had gone first with those thousand witnesses in the grand jury, it would all be secret by law and we would know nothing about it. We might never know about it if those witnesses didn't testify at some date well off into the future after these folks had been indicted and prosecuted, a trial date set, and these witnesses began to testify publicly. Now we get to see all of it first, and that will impact public opinion, it will impact world opinion, and it will make it clear that this is not a political endeavor or witch hunt. It's Benny Thompson, Liz Cheney, and the other members of the J6 committee and their investigative staff trying to save our democracy by holding accountable the people who tried to kill our democracy. Better days are coming and justice matters. Friends, please stay tuned. Please stay safe. And I look forward to talking with you all again tomorrow.